0: Have you been wondering what to get your lockdown sceptical friend for Christmas? Look no further than the hilarious new satire of the Covid era, busting anti-vax myths, seriously expert arguments for the Covid deniers in your life. Don't be fooled by the title now. Remember, it's a satire. Written under the nom de plume of a wholly fictitious Irish Covid expert whose blinkered and topsy-turvy logic will leave you in stitches The book satirises the mad world of lockdown and vaccine passes with exquisite humour. Head over to the book's website, BustingAntiVaxMyths.com, that's all one word, that's BustingAntiVaxMyths.com, to get your copy now for a limited-time offer of only $6.99. With 94% of Amazon reviewers giving the book five stars, it's guaranteed to give much-needed comic relief... For the lockdown sceptical this Christmas Again, head over to BustingAntiVaxMyths.com now To get your copy
1: This is London Calling London Calling Rarely are those real life odd couples Put on public display through the media Lucky for us, one of them does a weekly podcast Which is an indispensable part of my weekly listening It's called London Calling Welcome to London Calling, with me, James Demingpole, and my very good friend, Mr Toby Young. Tobes, I don't know whether you're aware, but we were featured on Australian TV the other day. Were we? No, I was not aware. Thanks to me, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the guy called Corey Bernardi, who used to be one of the senators for South Australia, and now presents a show on Sky News Australia, which, as you know, is, is considerably... Um, considerably sounder, let's say, than yes. than its its British alternative. Yeah, and um, he he invited me on to talk to to amplify that last week's theme on why London calling is so good and why everyone listens to
0: uh-huh. it. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, well, hopefully we'll get we'll get a few more listeners this week, James, as a result of well, your promotional. Well, I I, I, I
1: think we have we have a loyal audience in in Oz. I think um already. So maybe maybe we've already achieved peak Australia. I don't know. You,
0: you've, but, you've done the, you've done like a, a kind of a, a victory lap in Australia, haven't you? You've gone out and done an Australian I tour. I loved
1: it. It was quite a long time ago now, and I'm due another one. It was um, I think it was in something like 2012, and I had a brilliant time. I saw all the bits of Australia. Pretty much apart. I didn't go to the Northern Territory. I, I never saw the the, the the evil killer crocs around Darwin and stuff. But I went to far north Queensland. I flew over the, the rainforest, went to the Barrier Reef, went to risk death every day on on City Beach, um, where great whites come and attack you in, in Perth. It was good. It was and Adelaide. and
0: I can see where you'd like it. Wasn't there that line about Australia, which something like, you know, God created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he took some LSD and decided to create Australia <laughs> 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 because of the really weird looking animals
1: <laughs> no it, it, yeah it, well, it, obviously I, I think the, the 10 <laughs> something like 9 out of 10 or maybe 10 out of 10 of the world's most poisonous snakes are all in Australia yeah so yeah it's, they, they've got a brain they're kind of proud of it and, and I think generally you don't get you don't get bitten by a taipan Generally. Right. Yeah. Well, so you, you, you'd know about, you'd, you'd, you'd die.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have to fight off any creepy crawlers.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. I, I, I like Australia. Uh, but I think I have mentioned before, it is, urban Australia is about as excruciatingly woke as excruciatingly woke gets. I mean, they really are right on. It's only, it's only in the outback and places like that that the the old cobbers still exist. Yeah. But yeah I mean, for, I suppose for that, all that, it's a great country. That,
0: that's why everyone was so shocked, weren't they, when... Um, uh the, the lockdowns were imposed particularly in the state of victoria in melbourne and uh seemingly with um without you know as much protest as one would have hoped from you know uh pe- the descendants of former convicts but as clive james once said the key to understanding australia is that actually most of the residents are descended from um corrections officers rather than inmates yeah <laughs> um so
1: um, oh, I, I, yeah. before we leave Australia, the one the one really naughty thing thing I did, I was very I was very proud. Well, it was naughty. I managed to get the phrase "death jab" onto oh wow <laughs> onto live. Is... Yeah, I, it was. If you try looking for it now, you'll find it's been removed, edited out. But I'm I, I'm pretty sure that they didn't have their delay working when I when I actually said it. Oh, okay. Um, I know that I know that I, I well, I'm pretty sure I got poor old Corey into trouble. Oh god. We well, it? Is is got is to it do
0: prompted it. a complaint to the Australian equivalent of Ofcom.
1: Oh, oh, uh, tell me about they are even worse than our uh, whatever whatever our Ofcom is called now. It's it's, it's called something else, isn't it? No, Ipso uh, so,
0: no, well there's IPSO and there's Ofcom. But, oh, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, no.
1: sorry, Ofcom is different, yes. Yeah. Um yeah. Um <laughs> I got I got I got censured by Australian um, Australian equivalent of IPSO, which I think is called the Press complaints commission still um, for saying that wind farm owners were as bad as Pedophiles, or maybe even worse than pedophiles—I I, I, forget—they didn't like that.
0: That sounds almost. And actually, like, I,
1: it wasn't me. I was just quoting. I was quoting. I was quoting a farmer who's, uh, whose land had been blighted by wind farms. I thought
0: and, you, uh, uh, he was. I thought you could say you were quoting. You were quoting Jeremy Clarkson, um yeah. <laughs> in the news this week. we'll get on to that. Um, in the, yeah. I just wanted to briefly um, talk about um, your your plans for Christmas because I think this is going to be our last ever. Well, our last London calling. Broadcast um, before Christmas. So I think we're off next Monday, which is Boxing Day. Um, and then- it's
1: weird, isn't it? The Americans are having a holiday. Yes, and I mean that's, that, that's that's it's it's unlike that that situation to arise where two English chaps are eager to crack on yeah and the Americans are all saying gee it's a holiday I know
0: I thought we were the shirkers and they were the workers yeah. but uh yeah, yeah our next podcast the next episode of London Calling won't be until January the 2nd um but um uh, so this is the last one of the year, James. So we should, I suppose, at some point, do our roundup of the year, our high points and low points of the year. Make it a bit festive. Uh, I am not actually wearing my Christmas hat, but viewers, listeners, imagine I am. Um, so, um, so, what are the preparations for Christmas looking like in the Dellingpole household? I have to say, well, that, weirdly, yeah,
1: weirdly, I went and got my Christmas tree a week earlier than I normally do. I, I would normally have got it this coming weekend. And what I would have found is, and I would have cursed myself, I would have found that all that is left are, are the dregs and you, d- you really don't get much choice. Whereas the week before, there was a, a, an abundance of, of, of Christmas trees. And I, indeed, I was congratulated by my wife, a bit like when a hunter goes out and brings back um, a, a, a gazelle or something um, for, his, for his woman. So, so she was. She actually congratulated me that I'd chosen a good shape of tree. I mean, how, they care about these things, women. Yeah, they
0: do. Um, and how, how tall is your tree?
1: Ah. Well, that was the, you see, I did as I was told this year, which I don't normally do. I normally pride myself on getting the biggest, widest tree possible. Because I think that's what it's all about. It's, it, it's, size is everything.
0: You like literally, but, you like literally. You like to do some remodeling just in order of your, of your farm home, um, just oh, in order oh, to accommodate totally. the tree.
1: Indeed, one year I actually got featured in the Daily Mirror um in a, in a sort of comical seasonal story about about a person who'd bought a, a tree outrageously big far too big for his house right. it was true i just didn't know where to put it but this year i've gone i've gone minimalist okay and it's fun we ha- we haven't decorated it it's yet like because i think that bonsai. people who decorate their christmas trees before um christmas eve uh. Uh, don't they burn in hell or something i think oh, that's, they, they I should
0: have gosh i hadn't heard that superstition before I'm, I'm learning about that one a little too late um so yeah we got our christmas tree um not last weekend but the weekend before and my son my 17 year old son for the second year running is working in a sort of one of those outdoor christmas tree emporia um and uh, and he managed to get me an eight footer um, for the reduced price of twenty pounds, because his mate was no. behind the counter, yeah, and um, that's so ridiculous. It was yes, yeah, the best bargain of of this christmas i think um and uh, yeah and it's, uh, in previous years we have gone bigger my daughter in particular is a she likes to insist on the biggest possible christmas trees and anything below yeah. nine foot she thinks is a cop-out is um is 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 you know is is uh, unmanly um so mm-hmm. uh but but um so this year we just got an eight footer but uh, in previous years i've actually had to cut the top off in order to get them to fit in our that's
1: always room. sad when you do that always
0: a bit sad yeah uh, anyway so this year we've left the top on and we've got the little gold star sitting on the very top but it's sort of wobbled forward because the top's a bit thin and um but no one will let me chop it down a bit because then the tree would seem a bit too small so it's kind of bending forward looking down over the room but yep, yeah, we have decorated our tree and we put some presents underneath it in fact my wife's quite good at decorating the house so we've got a kind of light up kind of fluorescent bambi type creature in our hallway um we've got lights on our tree we've got lights running down the stairway and we've got some you know big kind of um paper bells and holly so yeah we've gone quite ott um but we usually do we haven't actually got the Mer- the, the light up merry christmas sign in the window of of sort of above our door this year which we usually have I was thinking that because people are struggling I mean perhaps not on our street but you know in the neighborhood to pay their electricity bills this year um, uh, I I thought it might be a bit um, insensitive um, to to put up too many kind of ostentatious um, Christmas lights because it would be like throwing my wealth in, in the face of you know my struggling neighbours. Um, so we've gone we've gone a bit more low key when it comes to external Christmas decorations this year.
1: I think what you'll probably find Tim, is if if you go and look, for example, there's a there's a there's a, an area near Starbridge where they pride themselves on their lights. And every house in the neighbourhood has got the most spectacular lighting displays, and I think what you what you'll find is that for ordinary working folk, they would rather starve and freeze to death <laughs> than not have their traditional I know, Christmas displays. It, it's display typical. Of
0: it's typical, isn't it, of a kind of uh, uh, lib- a hand-wringing liberal middle-class householder. To think, I'd better not put up any Christmas lights this year because that might antagonise my working class neighbours who are struggling to pay yeah. their electricity bills. When the working class neighbours, the last economy they'd make would be when it comes to the Christmas lights, and the, and the the more they're struggling to pay their electricity bills, the more est- ostentatious will be their external Indeed. Christmas display. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Should we have our first ad, and then go on to talk about? Um... Oh,
1: I think we, I think we should, and it's it's a good ad. Because it has a happy, a happy element to it. Um, somebody's tried out their services and found it to be absolutely brilliant. So I'll read the, I'll read the testimonial at the end. Whether like James you leap hedges on your 18-hand hunter, or like Tobes you brave Reykjavik's volcanic ash, what do you do when you're snowed under and notice your fiercely independent elderly mum or dad isn't coping? This would have been a disaster. But now you can whip out your phone and call the family emergency service, that is, the Live-In Care Company. Call 0118 914 5300. Theliveincarecompany.co.uk does exactly what it says on the tin. The Live-In Care Company, run by a fellow London Calling listener, rocks a 97% 5-star Trustpilot rating. The live-in care company believes your family should be cared for at home by carers who actually care. We do not believe a synthetic and potentially locked-down environment of a residential care home can hold a candle to one-to-one care in your own family home. As one amazed Pilot reviewer wrote recently, We urgently needed a carer with only 24 hours' notice. The company c- contacted us very promptly and had a carer for, for the position within a couple of hours absolutely amazing service with a very professional caring attitude and a very personal touch this company is by far the best we have used get in touch via www.theliveincarecompany.co.uk or ring us for a no obligation conversation on 0118 914 5300 we'd love to help and this is the testimonial just wanted to let you know that we've just employed the live-in care company to provide a care of my in-laws in Edinburgh I heard their advert on your podcast a few weeks ago had never heard of them before but they were exactly what we needed and and this person's added quite rightly might be worth them advertising with you again. I imagine your audience is exactly the right demographic. Hear, hear. Yes,
0: very good, very nice. Good to good to hear that we've got um, a satisfied customer from one of our loyal sponsors. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you follow this um, brouhaha over Jeremy Clarkson's column? I think in Saturday's Sun, um, in which he um, was rude about Meghan Markle. He said that. Um, He didn't merely hate her, not like he hates Nicola Sturgeon or Rose West, but he hates her on a cellular level and look forward to the um, time where he said he said that he fantasized about her having to parade naked through the streets while onlookers um, pelted her with excrement which I guess is a reference to the shaming Cersei. of Cersei in The Game yeah. of Thrones.
1: Yeah, so, he, so he kind of, what he's saying is he kind of fancies her. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> well Because everyone fancies Cersei Lannister. Well, I,
0: yeah, but swear, not according to many of the women, and indeed men, who've condemned Clarkson. So, I mean, Nicholas, Nicola Sturgeon said, um, the overwhelming emotion I have for men like Jeremy Clarkson is pity. I can't imagine what it must be like to be so consumed and distorted by hate of other people. And in his case, it appears women in particular that you end up writing that vile, toxic abuse. And she says that even though this is what Sturgeon said, even though she's a passionate believer in free speech, try not to laugh. One person's exercise of what they consider to be free speech. If that impinges on the safety of somebody else, then clearly there is a balance there not being struck so everybody has to exercise the rights we all cherish in our society today with a degree of respect civility and responsibility now Sturgeon has been ridiculed for claiming to be a passionate believer in free speech, given that her government passed the um, Scottish Hate Crime and Public Order Act, which um, means that people can now be arrested for um, saying trans women aren't women in the privacy of their own home. Um, But um, this this is a general argument, isn't it, against Clarkson, by people who claim to be supporters of free speech, that uh, what he said actually will cause women harm that this will contribute in some way to the violence against um, uh, women and girls. But he, he, I mean, I had a discussion about this with my wife. I mean, he wasn't advocating violence against Meghan. Um, And he wasn't wasn't even advocating that she should be made to do the Cersei Lannister Walk of Shame. All he was saying is that he fantasised about it, which isn't quite the same thing. And I'm not sure that people reading that will kind of you know, immediately get up from their kitchen tables, run out onto the street and start pelting women and girls with excrement. Or, you know, or or even it could even have a more indirect effect, I suppose. But it seems a bit of a stretch to say he shouldn't be allowed to say this. And apparently 6,000 people plus have complained to Ipso, the press regulator, about his column. But my, my, my feeling about it is that um, you know, it, it wasn't his finest hour because he's sort of inadvertently given ammunition to not only people like Nicola Sturgeon, who claim that, you know, there's an epidemic of violence against women and girls and this kind of speech um, uh, is contributing to it. Um, you know, e- even though I, I don't believe that's true, nonetheless, he's handed them an opportunity to kind of say that ad infinitum. But in addition, he's handed Megan Ammo now who'll say, see, I was right about the British tabloids being racist and having a problem with a prominent woman of colour joining their precious royal family look at this man look what he said he's a prominent broadcaster he has a column in a tabloid newspaper uh, he presents top gear uh, or did uh, and look he's fantasizing about about this doing terrible things to me likely to cause me lasting psychological harm i'm right about the Inherent racism of Britain, and particularly its its loathsome tabloid press. It's sort of a shame that he's kind of handed her, you know, that kind of uh, uh that ammo on a plate. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't his intention. I'm, I expect he thought he was just being funny and a bit over the top. But anyway, what, what, what do you think about it?
1: I think I think Team James would be very disappointed if I gave any other answer than. A plague on both houses. I just don't care. This is this is just exactly the kind of bread and circuses that I think are p- persuading people falsely um, that we are living in normal times and that life goes on as normal and that Jeremy Clarkson is saying Jeremy Clarkson-ish things. And look, oh, here are some token lefties, polit- irrelevant political cos, um, some irrelevant lefty celebrities like that. Man whose one joke in his entire comedy career was hold, holding an oversized oversized mobile phone, and and it got a whole sort of career out of it. Um, Dom it's, Jolly, it's, it's it, Dom Dom Jolly. Yeah, it, th- these people are, are all actors. It's all performative, and it's bread and circuses for the normies meanwhile in the real world we're, we're experiencing a globalist coup we're in the last last stages of a globalist coup all our freedoms are being taken away from from us our political class is absolutely useless because they are apart from maybe Andrew Bridgen or we'll talk about in the moment in 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 the payoff or have been corrupted by this this tiny 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 but powerful predator class, and here we are being distracted by something that I didn't even read Jeremy Clarkson say because I don't like the Sun, I don't like the Sunday Times. I think because all Murdoch papers are, are are part of the the cabal, so why should I care? It's just a waste of of time.
0: Oh, I thought you'd have um, some you know residual affection for Jeremy Clarkson because he's always I, been- I like him
1: when I when I bump into him, into him at Christmas parties i i i like chatting to him i liked his series about farming but but i'm afraid to say he's he's he is part of the of the psyop he is not he's not fighting for our freedom
0: he was quite um he was in his time he's been quite a vociferous opponent of kind of the climate emergency narrative Uh, on and off zero
1: ish he 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 plays it both ways because it because he's got his producers on Amazon to think of and it's clear that on occasion they've sort of forced him to tone down his his, his line a bit he has to sort of pretend to concede that the, climate change is a serious issue the, so I, I, I don't find him I don't find him a credible I'm, I'm certainly not thinking that he's sitting in the foxhole next to me doing his you know with his you don't, Lamborghini you don't think of him as a, as a, the enemy.
0: As a political ally um, so no. uh, w- the, the, one, one aspect of this story which really um, hit home um, was I don't know if you saw this, but his daughter um, uh, felt it necessary to issue a statement condemning his words, um, uh, and that was wide, the, the, the Her statement was widely quoted. How
1: how utterly nauseating! But it's <laughs> the kind of it's the kind of thing teenage daughters do. That they, I don't think she's a teenager. I don't know she's stuff. a
0: teenager, but I think I, I think she's, yeah, well, she's prob- still female, isn't she? She's, I isn't think really? she's in her twenties, as far as I well. Can she's tell. got
1: she's got hormones, so. And she's probably been through. She's probably been to uni you, and imbibed all this this third wave feminist bollocks. So she's got she's got stupid views. It's not her fault. It's it's the the entire system has brainwashed brainwashed that generation but I, into stupidity.
0: Yeah, but I, I but I well that's but it, it's quite a step to take. I mean, it's one thing to kind of you know vigorously disagree with your father at the dinner table, um, but yeah. to feel. Feel it necessary to issue a statement condemning his words that that had a kind of whiff of kind of um, you know the the, the 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 Stalinist Russia about it you know well d- I hope dissidents I hope being condemned her, by the mouths of the, from the mouths of their own children I thought it was quite I hope he cuts off
1: her presumably generous daddy's generous allowance but knowing knowing daddies across the world and I'm one of them I bet he won't no, because I'm sure we're won't. putty in the hands of our ungrateful little horrible daughters <laughs> so
0: shall we hear from one more um another of our sponsors um so yeah. um let's hear from um uh, uh heroes and heretics and i gather james that you've um, you've received your christmas gift from um heroes and heretics as have i oh
1: and i love it I, this is personal testimony i don't I, I hardly even drink whiskey but i had the the seven-year-old from their collection. So that, that's seven-year-old whiskey, by the way, in case anyone thinks i was some yes. kind of
0: sort of pizza. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and, and it, it was, um, it was like, it, it really was like amber nectar, actually. It was fantastic.
0: I've, I got it too. It is absolutely delicious. And this is, in fact, um, the bottle that's being advertised in um, their latest ad for London Calling. Um, so let me read it. By Jove, they've done it again. Our favourite independent bottlers have produced another legendary bottle. This time, Heroes and Heretics has only 358 bottles of a seven-year-old Glen Tockers from its Falls of Caledonia range. This spirit has been exclusively matured in a wonderful first-fill sherry cask. Without doubt, sherry casks have produced the most sought-after and expensive whiskies the world has ever seen. But true to Heroes and Heretics' philosophy of affordable luxury, This perfect expression of a brilliant distillery exploding with caramel, toffee, biscuits, dried fruit, leather and ale notes bursts onto the market at an inflation-busting price of just £60. But any listeners signing up to the Heroes and Heretics Collective will receive 15% off their first order and free shipping, making a bottle of Glentocker's 2014 a very Moorish £51. This bottle would make a fantastic gift over the festive period or a wonderful treat with which to savour and indulge oneself during the long winter nights. Don't delay. Sign up to the Heroes and Heretics Collective immediately at HAHCWS.com using the code Calling or one word, 15, the number 15 and take advantage of this fantastic offer. To repeat, it's HAH, as in Heroes and Heretics, CWS.com code London calling fifteen Remember there is no one way to drink whiskey. The best way is how you do it. Drink less, enjoy more, no experience necessary and that website address once again h a h c w s dot com so james um how's your alcohol intake over the festive period mine's been mine was quite bad last week I had various I was hosting a a daily skeptic Christmas lunch i had to i was the oh, guest blimey. speaker at a at a dinner being thrown by some um uh, uh, very high-end uh, wine merchants on thursday I had our, well, what were you talking about I was talking about the um, free speech union um uh, and, then, and, then, and and do, yeah. do they pay you? no they they were raising money for um a charity that i nominated and i nominated stalkham house which is i have a brother with learning difficulties and he's a resident at Stalking, stalkham house so that was my nominated charity and they raised about 1500 pounds which was fantastic
1: um, you're much more generous your t- with your time than i am i i i just the, the thought of an event like that i mean even if it they were the finest wines known to humanity I, I think I'd still say no w- were they the finest they w- wines
0: they were very good then? wines we had a fantastic what were they can we sta- you remember what they were called we started with um, a, a, a very serviceable
1: Montrachet and then oh what not, not Le Montrachet uh, or was it Chassagne or Pouligny it was it was Pouligny yeah Well, I always like those. Yeah,
0: very nice. And then and then um, and we had two reds with our main course. One was um, a very nice 2009 Bordeaux, um, which I think had the word Lacoste in its title. Um, Pouille
1: Lacoste. They have a crocodile on the label. I didn't have a crocodile on the label,
0: um, and then the other wine was a, was a was a pretty good Burgundy too. Um, so yeah, very good, very good, very good dinner and uh, nice people.
1: Was it called Romane Conti? It you was know. not.
0: It was not called Romani Conti, and it wasn't. It wasn't a Rousseau Burgundy of. either. Um, but it was still pretty good. Um, so yeah, no, it was. Um, and, and then on Wednesday, um, I had uh, my annual. Um, It's usually an annual Christmas lunch with um, five of my closest friends. But this year it was a Christmas dinner with three of my closest friends. And the reason for that is um, one of my one of the annual lunch goers, you know, I've been arranging this lunch for about 35 years. Richard Edwards died um, rather unexpectedly at the age of 54 um, in, I think, 21. Um, And uh, so wasn't able to come this year, which was... um, obviously uh, quite sad um and um and then another of the regular lunch goers um uh he he he's he no longer wants to come because he disagrees with me so passionately
1: wow about, about Oh the star- well done about,
0: mate. about the stance I took on the lockdown in in particular um so he 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 was he was he was so incensed by lockdown skeptics that um he actually Accused me of um, taking Russian dark money to fund it. Um, he's a sort of—I um, think he'd read a bit too much of Carol Codwalader during the—I could do Brexit referendum. Money, I know. Can't? I was thinking, if only, if only. Great. Yeah. No. No rubles have ever, as far as I know, uh, ever been donated. Well, because they're so, worth
1: quite a lot now. The rubles <laughs> quite strong, isn't it?
0: I I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, no Russian gold, no rubles. But um, anyway, so, so, we, so thought, well, we thought. I, it out. I
1: love that. That's that's made, that's that's cheered me up no end. Do you feel rather proud? I mean, do, you you wouldn't want to be breaking bread with somebody like that anyway.
0: Well, I no, I like him a lot, and um, you know he's been a close friend of mine, and we've been having this Christmas, you know, lunch for more than thirty five years. So. I was quite Actually,
1: also it would be quite nice for you being some with someone even more cuckish than you and you, you it, would be, it would be like for you like being James Dellingpole for well, a change it, for it, a day.
0: Yeah, it it, do- it does make me feel a bit Dellingpole-esque. So we we did we did we did disagree passionately about Brexit. So he was a staunch remainer and um but right. we managed to kind of navigate that disagreement. We managed to disagree about that. During these lunches, um, without falling out, um, but we haven't managed to disagree about the lockdowns without falling out. It's interesting, isn't it? And I think that, I think that um, for some people, the lockdown—I think we've discussed this before. You know, whether you were pro or anti lockdown, whether you're pro or anti the COVID vaccinations, has been a more divisive issue. More people have fallen out. More families have been torn asunder by that issue than they were by the Brexit referendum.
1: Well, because Brexit wasn't really life or death, whereas the whole issue of the vaccines and the death yes. jabs, etc., lots and lots of people have died. I mean, I, I don't. Okay, your your friend, your late friend, I don't think was a victim. No, of that, I don't think he, he was. No, but but I, I think most people listening to this will know people who have died, and they will have suspicions if they're Team James that this was a result of taking taking the clot shot. People are, people are being taken away before their time because of this thing so it and and so people either have this sense of of um, of ill-expressed um, guilt that 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 in their heart of hearts perhaps they know that they've been championing this 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 compulsory or semi-compulsory vaccine which has actually done more harm than good um, or it's people feeling a sort of righteous sense of of outrage that that the state has been, been coercing people into taking harmful substances so i think it's i I think think it's more of a hot button issue
0: yeah and i think on the other side um people like my friend think that um, lockdown skeptics like me and people who've um you know um reported on some of the vaccine harms from the mrna vaccines um have um contributed to people's deaths they have um uh, because people haven't been observing the social distancing rules um the virus That's has me. spread more widely and i probably because... killed his,
1: va- his granny
0: <laughs> personally yeah. well, anyway so yeah people on both sides think the other are responsible for unnecessary deaths and i suppose it affects people in know in a personal way too so those who've kind of um if, if uh if um, if you if you if you if you if you're a mask wearer and someone who's scrupulously observed all the rules, you regard people like me and you as free riders who are kind of endangering everyone else's safety and not paying any cost, not not entering into the kind of collective sort of social contract to kind of do our do our part to kind of help mitigate the impact of the virus so that sort of that that, that prompts a lot of a hostility towards skeptics i think as well anyway um for whatever yeah. reason we haven't been able to navigate this disagreement and remain friends um which is actually a great disappointment to me
1: well, you asked Taps whether I'd been doing much, how much drinking I've been doing. Actually, I, I went to a lovely party the other day in the in the in the the, the Cotswolds with the, with the you know proper proper posh people, and they serve these Negronis when we arrive. You know, you have you, do you like Negronis? No, I
0: quite like Negronis. Yeah, my wife loves them.
1: Ne- yeah, it is it is the fashionable cocktail du jour, and even though it, I, I I I have never liked. Um, What's that stuff they put in it? That 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 pink stuff?
0: Yeah, God, what is it called? I can't remember. It's bitter. Yeah, 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 Campari, um, Apérol Aper- Spritz.
1: No, Campari.
0: Oh, maybe I'm thinking it's... of an Apérol Spritz as a drink, actually. Yeah, Campari. no, no, Apérol
1: Spritz is fine. Yeah, it's, it's 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 Campari, and it's it's a it's a, it's got a bitter taste, and I've never liked bitter, but I I recognise as I'm drinking it that this is a proper grown-up drink that I should like, so I kind of tell myself I should like it, and I would have had more, but I was the designated driver, mm. so. I took revenge. Actually, I would have done this anyway. I've, I've become a bit of a, an Old Testament prophet, in my, or I've become like the ancient mariner. So people sort of say to me things at these parties like, so, so James, what do you think? What do you think it's going to, where, where is this all going? What, how's next year going to be? And I say, if I were you, I would start making your peace with God because it's going to be hell. It's going to get much, much worse. And they, and they go, what? 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 What do you mean? I say, well, how long have you got? And I start telling them about just, because it's amazing, Tobes. I mean, maybe you, you, you've experienced this more. I'm gobsmacked by how unaware people are that, that they have been victims to a globalist coup by a predator elite that wants to take away every one of their freedoms and that this this plan is already very close to fruition and everyone thinks it's all going to be fine in 2023 and there's going to be no food shortages there's going to be no financial system collapse that's going to be i don't know um uh, there's going to be no cbdc's Going to be. Well, I mean, maybe they won't happen in twenty twenty three, but they're going to happen fairly soon. I think there is going to be restrictions on travel. There is going to be. There are going to be restrictions on how we heat our houses. On. On. We're certainly going to have our freedom to drive taken away from us pretty soon. Have you, have you noticed this? That I, I, I've I've had friends who've who've been done for speeding on roads which look like like their their sort of fast country roads and the police have so sighted their their police their, their speed cameras and exact exactly to catch people unawares i mean it's one thing putting a speed camera in a in a, in a obviously 30 mile hour zone when there are when you know the there the, are the houses round and about and people could get you know, it's an urban area but it's another thing with sighting it on a, on a on open roads but I, I think this is all deliberate i think that they are Trying every which way to make travelling hell, I think the unions are in on this. I think all the strikes are are designed to keep us all in our in our houses a bit like they 're doing in Oxford, with Oxford city council having these having these zones um, from you know where you can 't travel from one zone to another without getting fined it's it 's just well you can 't all around
0: us you, interestingly um we ran a piece about the um 15-minute city plan for Oxford um, that's being gestating at Oxford County Council um, uh, uh, on the Daily Skeptic yesterday because we ran a piece about it a few weeks ago and, um, and there was a story on the BBC by the, I think, climate disinformation specialist, that was his byline, um, about how um, uh, disinformation about um, Oxford County Council's plans for the city of Oxford um, had led to death threats, councillors receiving death threats. So um, just in case that's true, we, 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 um, it may be true, um, uh, we should clarify that um, what Oxford's, what Oxford County Council is planning is to divide the city of Oxford into six zones and then cap the number of times you're allowed to travel from one zone to another in a private vehicle not a commercial vehicle or an emergency vehicle but in your in your car Um, you'll be limited to traveling from one zone to another to about a hundred times you can still walk between the zones and you can still travel by bicycle and you can still travel by public transport or you can sneak past the electronic gates or whatever they are going to be electronic gates but you know you, you could hide in the back of an ambulance but but so people aren't going to be imprisoned i mean people have described it as a climate so lockdown. are you defending this well no i'm not i just are want you, to be are I'm you just saying, saying
1: it's not bad or, or that, i'm not saying it's not. i i think these... i
0: think it's i think it's i think it's uh, it's certainly an uh, uh uh an unwarranted interference in our liberty um based on you know a kind of climate emergency mindset um, uh, but it's intended as a traffic calming measure and it may be a slight oh, never, exaggeration. Never change, Toby. Maybe right. a slight exaggeration this, this, to call this, it a this, climate lockdown. This show lockdown. would
1: die if, if you weren't so <laughs> relentlessly cuckishly. I'm just, sticking to the facts, to James.
0: Sticking me. to the facts. Let's not, let's not yeah, yeah. we don't We don't need to invent things in order people to are, justify are our fears. People
1: Toby. <laughs> Here you are, you're effectively apologising on behalf of Oxford City Council. You'll say, oh, it's really not bad. It's only a traffic calming measure. It's only, oh.
0: Well, I, I do think no, I said I think it's uh, an unwarranted interference in our personal liberty. Um, so I, I'm not defending Oxford County Council, but let's. So I hope ex- you didn't give
1: the speech at that wine lunch, or I, uh, they would have been grievously disappointed. We, we, we expected <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come up. What, what the we wine got lunch. was Team Cuck. I'm.
0: I'm. I so said on my on on. I I I think it won't surprise you that when I look ahead to what 2023 has in store for us, I'm not quite as pessimistic as you. Um, I don't think there is a. I don't think we're, we're, in the, we're witnessing the kind of final stages of a global coup. Um, I don't think the world's going to run out of food. I don't think there is a conspiracy to prevent us from traveling. And I didn't quite get your logic about the train strikes being intended to prevent us traveling. Surely, you know, if they want to stop us going places in our car, in order to reduce carbon emissions, then they should be encouraging us to take they the train. Don't. So the train strikes.
1: Um, Toby can't be serving that agenda. Wake but- up! <laughs> Come on, that is. I mean, I don't often sort of jump down your throat, but if you honestly think that any of these measures, anything, anything they say about the environment has anything whatsoever to do with the, with with saving the planet, you are you are from a different universe. They don't intend. They don't believe this shit. They absolutely do not believe it.
0: I think they do. I think they they they, don't. It is.
1: It is there to. This is not even worth arguing about. This is purely there to crush us, take away our freedoms. The environment thing is just an excuse. Well, I think, and and, and at high levels, they totally understand that. They're not. I mean, they're evil, but they're not stupid.
0: I'll meet you halfway, James. I'll 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 acknowledge that the reason the kind of uh, climate emergency, net zero, um, narrative. Um, is has has gained such extraordinary velocity and traction um, amongst our professional elites um uh, is partly because it's congruent with a kind of suspicion of ordinary people and their base appetites and wanting to protect them from those appetites and the destruction they'll wreak and it's sort of so it's 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 sort of of a of a piece with their kind of secular puritanism and their general kind of progressive desire to control people and not just let them be free Uh, but I don't think that means that they don't really believe it and that they know in their heart of hearts that it's all balls they do believe it but they've chosen to believe it because it fits so neatly with their kind of underlying prejudices with their pride. Um, so that—that's—is uh, that meeting you halfway, or you, is that still just cuckery,
1: as far as you're concerned? Um, is, oh, complete cuckery. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, I Look, I, I, you, you know, I read a book about this, and one of the things I, I, I mentioned is, is the various um, Club of Rome publications, like like limits limits to growth, and the the, the people who founded the Club of Rome, Aurelio Pece and um, whoever the other some other you know sinister cabal person. They were perfectly upfront ab- about the purpose of environmentalism—that it that it was a way of advancing their their sort of Malthusian aims and their and their their, their concerns about their their, their their desire for one world government. I mean that they were upfront about it. This this would have been in the nineteen. 19- in the nineteen seventies, so no, I, I, I don't think that 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 the, that they do believe this stuff. But didn't didn't they? Convenient
0: isn't one of the reasons though that they wanted to limit growth and they wanted a technocratic kind of global government is because that was the only way to stop the kind of despoiling of the planet and uh, exhausting the planet's no. finite resources? At least in part, no, that
1: was just the excuse. There's, al- there's always the official excuse, and there's there's the real reason. Mm. And no.
0: One thing I will concede is that um, many of the climate emergency activists, the climate scientists promoting this agenda, um, will knowingly exaggerate the risks because they think that's the only way to get people to modify their behaviour. But they're doing it, I think, in good faith. I don't think they're doing it... I don't think they're inventing the risk out of whole cloth because they think uh, it's just a way to advance an entirely different... Sort of socialist globalist agenda,
1: anyway. Uh, I, I have nothing um, to say, though. I, I do think um, should, I do think I do we do... Have, a, have a Thor advert.
0: Let, let's let's have let's have another ad. Let's have another ad, and it's yeah, you yeah, this time. Not...
1: It is, it is. Let's have a look. It, it involves me telling some Thor jokes. Thor has sent him one of his notes again. Uh, really, no need for the accent. He, he says Toby as if Toby's going to read it. I'm reading it, Thor, so tough. Assumptions are the mother of all, pause, mess-ups, aren't they? (laughs) Imagine then being named Thor, a lifetime of disappointed ladies assuming a hammer of Thor, Chris Hemsworth type, would appear. Time then to clear up a common assumption among London callers. Just like Elon Musk, I stand for absolute free speech, as demonstrated through my pro bono work for Toby's Free Speech Union. You are an FSU member, aren't you, London Calling listener? Despite my delight with the new model Musk rampaging across Twitter, I don't aim my services at billionaires. While oil operator companies pay me £1,600 a day, consulting rates for the benefit of AI and social media hall monitors, that's evil, very, very evil big oil, I am available to coach you from as little as £1,000 for a whole year. And when you work with me, my input will be worth many multiples of your investment. If you'd like to check whether previous clients agree, read my client reviews and recommendations at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt. fortunately, it appears that so far at least, previous lovers don't write reviews. I think there's some jokes in there, weren't there? I, 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 probably, I probably killed them in the telling, but there we are.
0: Yeah, I think we, we have difficulty making Thor's jokes land. But e- even in spite of our lack of comedic um, delivery skills, um, Thor tells me that these jokes do land, that he frequently is contacted by people who think they're very funny. Um, and therefore we have to read them as written. But maybe, maybe Thor could take us through how to land his gags in a way that um, makes them a little less painful to read out.
1: Well, maybe it's just that he—he's um, his skills are not in copywriting or joke telling or joke writing. He, well, I, the, I, I, it's it, obviously, what he does is really, really good. That's useful. true.
0: That's true. He's an excellent man, and um, and yeah. I th- I love the fact that he set up this um, you know coffee club for London Calling listeners, um, and those who those who've joined it um, report great things about it. So I think it's very much worth uh, participating in. Um, so. Um, Anything? What's your What are your Christmas viewing plans, James? Anything lined up? Of course, I've got my BAFTA films to get through because I'm a member of BAFTA. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, um, but I've got all no, my. No, my... I don't
1: even know what BAFTA is. It's is it some kind of paedophile organisation? You know, I, I... <laughs>
0: No, it's the uh, it's 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 like the it's like the British equivalent of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And, it is a
1: pedophile organisation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the great benefit of it, James, um, is that uh, is well, the great benefit used to be that every year, starting sort of in November, right up until Christmas Day, you would receive screeners—that is, DVDs of um, some of the you know the the the, the most highly critically acclaimed films of the year Um, uh, and um, and that was great you know I could spend the week between kind of Christmas and New Year just gorging on all these kind of great films Um, but they've stopped sending screeners now instead um, I think piracy issues cost so instead um, you, you have to go to the kind of BAFTA viewing portal And click on these films and you can only watch them on your laptop. Now, I've tried to when you try and kind of, you know, link up your laptop to your TV um, or your projector, which I've tried to do several times, it's actually really difficult. They have a kind of built in mechanism which prevents the film showing properly. But they have they have they have finally created an app on Amazon Fire Stick which enables you to watch these films using the fire stick. And I bought one and plugged it into my projector, but it's still not very good. The kind of, um, the quality of the images is quite poor. Um, so it,
1: it's kind of annoying. <laughs> Tobes, can I, I say, this is almost the, the definition of a luxury problem. <laughs> it's a first world problem. All the listeners yeah. are going, oh, that's so awful. Uh, yeah. I'm going to spend my time thinking about Tobes this Christmas. I know. I, unable I, to watch his full... <laughs>
0: I'm complaining about on his home TV. I can't watch um, Avatar 2 in 4K HD. I have to watch it as though it would appear on a normal TV. Um, yeah, but most people I guess if they want to see that movie and I don't suppose many do it sounds pretty bad. Um, are going to have to pay for No, it, I want to see it. In it. Cinema. Do you?
1: Well, somebody told me, somebody in somebody down down the rabbit hole told me that actually they'd watched it recently through their new kind of eyes, and they'd seen all kinds of subliminal messages. And actually, do you know what? I, I mean, I'm going to be out on a limb here, but I actually quite enjoyed it the first time round. I quite like the magical, shiny, shiny tree. Whatever yeah, I can see.
0: I can see you like the kind of hippie-ish kind of aspects, the kind of yeah pantheistic nature worship of nature. But on the other hand, it, it, it has this kind of underlying kind of um, anti-climate change agenda, doesn't it? It was sort of, you know, it was was about... I, I felt that the kind of exploitation of this planet by the... US military and their contractors um, or by this evil corporation was kind of supposed to be a metaphor for the kind of capitalist rape of the planet and the kind of blue creatures were supposed to be kind of you know um, uh, socialist freedom fighters, woke warriors who were fighting back against these rapacious environment destroying capitalists and that's sort of the theme of most of David sort of anti-technology kind of slightly Luddite kind of pro back to nature kind of mumbo jumbo running through all of it. So, uh, yeah, I think you, you, I see it through a completely different lens to the lens your, your friends saw it through. I see it as a guy. It's, it's another kind of bit of net zero propaganda.
1: Ah, well, it's, it's, it's James Cameron, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I can't be sure. And this could be a misplaced anecdote. Um, I, I've certainly some of his public utterances have seemed to me utterly abhorrent, but I think somebody did once tell me a story that they'd gone to see James Cameron, and James Cameron said that the people in Hollywood were so evil that he would not let them. He would not let any of them into his house unless he'd very, very carefully. Let, we're talking about sort of actors and things. He wouldn't let them anywhere near his house, let alone his children which seemed to bespeak a sort of a, a, a strong moral compass i don't know but i could i i, I may've got may've got a different different producer director
0: maybe because he just they're not just they're not woke enough for him um he you know, he recently um claimed in an interview that testosterone is a toxin and um, men need to kind of work it out of their system
1: uh, i think he meant he could be just pushing that out as part of his his kind of deep cover beard maybe operation i don't know no, I, th- I think I i'm, I'm charitable, on very very charitable reading really. yeah territory anyway yeah so,
0: I, 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 but i think i mean regardless of whether or not you approve of james cameron's politics assuming we can agree what they are um I, the the criticisms of you know avatar the way of water is that what it's called um are that it's just very it's just very boring there's no plot um it's like a kind of uh, it's like being trapped in an aquarium for three hours um, and you know there's pretty things to look at and maybe if you're maybe if you're micro dosing James it might be tolerable but um, if you're expecting kind of a bit of drama and suspense and um, you know um, uh, catharsis you're not going to get it in this film um,
1: yes I will be I, I will be trying to watch my, my two favorite Christmas movies yeah are, um, Requiem for a Dream Oh, yeah. And Lilia forever. Okay. So I think if anyone sort of. They don't sound those, remotely Christmassy. <laughs> <laughs> Red Queen for a Dream no. is about a heroin addict, uh, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And it's got it's got a notorious scene where, where, where my son and I were watching it, and the wife walked in at, ex- at the key moment, um, at the, 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 the most embarrassing moment imaginable. And she thought she thought that I had corrupt. It was it's the famous double dildo scene, and she like thought it. that I had been corrupting my son by making him watch a porn movie. When in fact, what had happened was that my son had had, had encouraged me to watch this art because he's. He's a real cinephile, and he he was he he'd encourage me to watch this art movie with him, which turns out to have a pretty horrible scene. and And the wife came in at exactly the wrong moment. She screamed and and ran away in tears, and I had oh, to go and God. console her. No, really, anyway, I, uh,
0: I've I've been accused of corrupting my seventeen year old son this week because um about I have to credit where credit's due about. Six months ago, um, before we even knew that Argentina had qualified for the World Cup, a friend of his, um, uh, who styles himself a kind of statistical, kind of number-crunching boy wonder, um, uh, crunched the numbers and and worked out that Argentina were nailed on to win the World Cup this year. And 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 so my son... Asked me to bet twenty pounds. He actually gave me the twenty quid, and I bet. I put a twenty pound bet on Ladbrokes at eight to one on Argentina to be outright winners of the World Cup. And yesterday, Argentina did indeed win the World Cup. It was a very close run thing. So um, they initially, if you didn't watch it, James, I'll tell you what happened. Um, so initially, Argentina. This was in the final against France. So Argentina went two goals up, but then France managed to equalise um, in the kind of dying. Embers of the game, uh, and then it went to extra time. And then Argentina scored again, but then France just managed to equalize in the last dying minutes of the game. Uh, so it went to a penalty shootout, and um, Argentina won the penalty shootout. There was a great, great bit, James, which you would have loved when President Macron came onto the pitch to console Mbappe. Um, the kind of star French forward Um, and Mbappe just tries to shake him off, pays him no attention at all, doesn't even acknowledge his presence and there's there's Macron desperate for the kind of, you know, the photo opportunity of him consoling this kind of French soccer hero and he's just, he couldn't give him a a, a colder shoulder. Um, So that was very entertaining. But um, yeah, so Argentina won. And my son has collected his winnings. And my wife is furious um, because she thinks that now our son is going to become a gambling addict. And I've taught yeah. him a very bad lesson.
1: Um, you should have she- put it on England and, and he could have <laughs> learned a lesson.
0: He could have learned a much better lesson, yeah.
1: But, but of, you, you realise that all these, these sporting events are scripted. I'm, I have no doubt that, that the World Cup was, that people in the know knew Argentina were going to win before it started. It's, I, I don't believe any of these things. It's, well, all, it's all rigged.
0: I wish I had, had so, the same confidence as Ludo's friend. Well, it's, it's,
1: it's, I think it's good that your lad somehow managed to tap into the <laughs> to the to the, <laughs> the secret the network, the global football conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, that, that that that's good. I must, um,
0: I must ask him who, who who his friend Ozzy, thinks is going to win next time. Um, so, yeah. But, but, anyway, um, so that was the that was the World Cup. So um, I finished watching um, Andor um uh, which uh, i mean i can't say i watched each of the star wars spin-off tv shows religiously but i did dip in and out of most of them and this seems to me to be easily the best and actually quite good um and uh, but i don't think it's going to i don't think there's going to be a second season of andor because according to our friend Mark Miller who is the font of all knowledge on these issues um because the other star wars spin-offs were so poor people had kind of um had 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 lost confidence in disney's ability to create any more good star wars spin offs so they didn't watch Andor. so it's not going to get re upped um i've also uh i also finished um uh i finished um uh, Tokyo Vice season one, and really, uh, uh, something rather odd happens in um uh it, it, in Tokyo Vice, which is in the very beginning, in the first episode, you see this kind of scene in which the central character is in terrible jeopardy, and he's there with this Tokyo cop, and they're being threatened by some yakuza, and it's like like in, it's that sort of Tarantino esque way of starting. A story by by showing you a scene which occurs. It's become a cliche, hasn't it? It's become a cliche. It's become a cliche. But 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 this is the first time that cliche has been used, and 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 the kind of suspense hasn't been paid off. So. I stuck with it till episode eight, wanting to know, you know, whether the the main character would be okay, how he was going to escape from the clutches of these baddies as revealed in episode one. But they don't actually tell you the mystery isn't solved. It was as though the, the, the series was cut short in time before that incident actually occurred and i can't work out what was that deliberate are they trying to kind of you know is is it their way of thumbing their nose at what you rightly identify as a cliche a storytelling cliche or or did they run out of money so they had originally intended to make it 12 episodes but decided they had to could only make eight i mean it was bizarre and uh you know nothing was really paid off episode eight finishes on a cliffhanger like all the other episodes you know none of the. Big questions are resolved. None of the kind of tensions in the relationships really are resolved. I mean, one of the characters is killed off completely arbitrary at the end of arbitrarily, completely at the end of episode eight. You think, well, is that an attempt to kind of at least wrap up his storyline? Seems like a pretty odd way to do it. Um, So it felt like something had gone badly wrong yet. I think they they felt like they just run out of money. Um, But uh, it was very unsatisfying. uh, You expect if you kind of, you know, if you invest, you know, eight hours in a TV series, that you know that some of the questions the TV series is asking are going to be answered by the the conclusion of the season. Maybe not all. I mean, you know, but with Lost, you kind of expect that the unanswered questions are kind of priced in. You, you know, you're not going to not all the mysteries are going to be solved, and some of the big ones are going to remain unsolved. But with something like this, you know, a crime thriller, a fairly conventional crime thriller you expect most of those questions to be resolved at the end of season one and they weren't and it's quite frustrating
1: um i'll tell you what i watched last night uh which i can i can quite recommend uh, i i think it was on netflix and it's a, a sort of yeah it's a documentary movie docu- yeah documentary about an incident in 2019 that happened on an island off new zealand which was a tourist uh, you know a tourist destination and it was a volcano an active volcano and the volcano erupted while there were people on it and it was i mean it's a i mean <laughs> it's quite painful to watch the people who who were on the island when the volcano erupted it wasn't like a traditional volcano they, they they weren't it didn't spew up lava or anything like that but what it did was it sent up this huge black cloud of um of water vapor uh heated to 200 degrees c so twice <laughs> twice boiling point and these people were enveloped in this cloud for more than two minutes and were just boiled, I mean just just like cooked alive. and it was about the, the rescue operation. I mean, it's amazing, the, 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 these people had terrible scars, some of them, and were, were, you know here they are, three years on, still still in, in, in how rehab. They, how still. did
0: any of them survive?
1: You wonder. Uh, it was an extreme. It, it, I mean, it, it's. A, I'm, I'm still sort of quite shocked talking about it. one of the shocking things, one of the many shocking things, was that so the so the volcano erupts and the news comes through that the, the emergency services learn fairly quickly that this thing has happened and there have been people on on the on the island when it erupted and there may be survivors, and these. Typical old school Kiwis who who have a, a helicopter service in the in, in the the town opposite this island instantly get into their helicopters and fly over there regardless of the risk. Meanwhile, the official rescue helicopters are dispatched with with all with all the equipment. You know all the stretchers and stuff. They're dispatched from wherever the nearest um, city in New Zealand is. Uh, uh, auckland is it maybe I don't, I don't know um and they're flying over there and the the police and the the sort of the safety nazi uh, people responding in, in the rescue services say no you can't go any closer we've decided we've decided to de- declare a no-fly zone over this over this island, so you can't go in there and rescue them. You can't land there because we deem it unsafe for the res- rescue services, and I, I'm sure it will be the same in in, in the UK. This this risk averse culture we have, where. People who've presumably joined the emergency services, knowing that that they're, they're going to be expected to take major risks sometimes to to get people out of trouble, regardless of the the danger to themselves, are now being overruled by a system which which would that doesn't want people to take risks anymore. I think it's so wrong, and one does get quite angry at, at, at that moment. So, and you can imagine how those chopper pilots feel as well, the ones who great personal risk just they they weren't having it they didn't care whether they were going to get get boiled or whatever if the the, because the volcano could obviously have erupted again they went they went in there and they got the people who were closest to the to the disaster out of there 12 of them i don't know how many of them survived if any of them actually i mean it, it could have been a um you know a heroic gesture but nevertheless they they did their bit, and I, I I think that's the attitude that we want to encourage, and and that the world doesn't currently encourage.
0: And what, and this, is this a multi-part documentary?
1: No, thankfully, because I do, I don't think you, you 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 wouldn't stick it if it were more than one episode. It's right. it's it's a, a film. I think it's about one hour forty minutes. So and it's it, it, it it's good. And it's is, it, just, is just it tells, it tells fic- the story straight or- documentary no 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 I know no, it's um it's you know just just talking heads right right um okay quite a few of them don't make it I mean I, th- I think right. 21 people were killed right and they haven't opened up the island since I had an argument w- with my family about this I said look you know if if people want to go to see that vol- u- u- you think about the tourist industry in, in that the, the the town opposite opposite the volcano island was largely dependent I think on on the on the tourist trade brought in by trips to that volcano and for the last three years they've they've been wiped out mm. uh, their business has been wiped out because nobody nobody's allowed to go mm. as you'd expect in the jacinda horseface evil you know crack regime
0: well contrary to your predictions of how much worse things are going to get in 2023 i think she's going to lose the new zealand general election because um, she's made such a hash of uh, managing the pandemic and has crashed the why do you Brazilian think that?
1: Do, do you not think that they'll, they'll if she loses it's because it's because the cabal have decided that she that, that her ty- that she served a useful purpose it won't it won't be because the the, the people vote with their feet yeah the, well, the, every, all elections are rigged now that they rig the voting machines
0: right. hard, to, hard, hard to prove a negative of your hypothesis james anyway um i'm going to try and finish White Lotus, and um, I, st- I watched episode one of something called The English, which was a slightly odd western starring Emily Oh, Blunt. yeah. Um, and Is it good? Um, well, it was okay, um, but apparently it gets a lot better, so it's worth persevering with. So I'm going to persevere with it. Um, and I'm also going to finish um, "Gangs of London" um, season one, which uh, which last week I was raving about, and I haven't actually seen another episode yet because I'm watching it with my 15 year old son, and we have to kind of find a time we can watch it together. Anyway, but um, so those, those are my Christmas plans. Nothing terribly exciting. Oh, but on Boxing Day, James, um, we are really we're, we're really uh, pushing the boat out. We've rented an Airbnb in Cardiff, and uh, partly because QPR are playing Cardiff in cardiff on boxing day um so uh we'll be driving to cardiff on boxing day and um, spending spending about three days in the beautiful um uh coastal city of cardiff um port city what do you call it anyway um and i think we'll be doing a little bit of sightseeing in the surrounding areas apparently some quite nice scenery around there and carol one of caroline's great friends will be spending there's only one activity one should be doing on boxing day and you know what that is (laughs) <laughs> is that is that um is that shooting I mean, riding to hounds to <laughs> riding sorry riding of course riding to hounds is that what you're going to be doing yeah.
1: and, well, no, I, do you know what i i it's, it's been really upsetting actually it, 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 apart from the the collapse of of all our freedoms and everything it's the thing that's been most upsetting me recently because the the freeze that we, the, that cold weather mm. we've been having mm. has made the ground too hard and now it's thawing, yes, but I fear that it's not going to thaw quickly enough for the hunt I had booked. And I think what you're going to have is, is a sort of substratum of f- frozen, frozen ground. And then underneath a kind of slippery slush covering, which is just lethal for, right, for riding right. on. You can't right. jump or anything, it's right. unless you're mad. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried that, 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 that the weather... Or all the, the evil people manipulating the weather because well, that's what it probably is—they're <laughs> going, they're going to ruin my hunting season. Oh, God, sorry about that, James. I know, I know. Um, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, well, you'll have to come to Cardiff and um, watch QPR lose one yes. nil to. Uh...
1: Yeah, that 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 that'll be a <laughs> consolation for me. Won't it? Yeah. By the way, can I say actually what my favourite Christmas movie, probably of yeah. all time, definitely I'd recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it. Some some people recommend the the original Railway Children, the the nineteen seventy three version is it yeah. very 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 good but i think that my favorite and from that same era when films had a genuine innocence about them uh, and, and a magic have you seen the amazing mr blunden
0: you know i remember seeing that when i was a kid but i haven't seen it yes. since then yeah was it by the same director Might it may anyway, well have yeah. been
1: i wonder let's have, let's have a look just i've got the name right as well um amazing
0: yeah, it's it, it's bas it's based on a kind of children's story, isn't it? Um, it's got
1: Lionel Jeffries in it. Yeah. That that that's indicative that it's a Oh what there's been a twenty twenty one remake. Remake, yeah, yeah. I've uh, seen that too. Very uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh the original version. Was in was, 1972, it was, where was, everything was so much better.
0: It was directed by Lionel Jeffries, so there you go. Um, oh,
1: yeah. well, it's a. Was it a one hit one, did you think? No,
0: I, I think it was. I think it was it certainly his. know certainly oh, he also did direct. No, wait a minute. No, I can't see. What else did he direct? Yeah, it's like. Uh, he, he did uh, Lily,
1: Lily uh, Forever and. Um, what else yeah, did he not,
0: direct? Not. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. He did. Though, uh, he, did.
1: He, he did The Railway Children did he? and The okay. Amazing Mr. There you he go. got the double.
0: He got the double. Okay, there you are. He did that. That is the railway amazing. What right. a man! Yeah, 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 yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, what? Well, I, uh, we're having actually, uh, interestingly, um, uh, the. One of the things we did as a family, we had a World Cup sweepstakes, whereby we were each randomly assigned various teams, um, and um, I had France, and my son Charlie, fourteen, had Argentina, and the winner gets to choose what movie we watch together as a family on Christmas Eve and what food we eat, and so I'm trying to persuade Charlie. If it had it been me, had France won, I would have chosen, I think, His Girl Friday, which is one of one of my. Absolute all-time favorite films, um uh, and uh, but he wants. He, I think he's going to choose Episode Three uh, in the Star Wars saga, which he thinks is a is a much derided, underrated uh, contribution to the Star Wars canon. Um, and uh, so he wants us all to sit there and reevaluate Episode Three. And um, I think it'll probably be. um Well, he has actually said he's he's open to French food. Um. Uh. So it won't just be. It won't. He's, he's going beyond his normal repertoire of fried chicken and pizza. Um. So I'm going to try and persuade him to to, to get some French food, even if I do have to. Yeah, foie gras. Episode three. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah,
1: foie gras, especially fresh. Have you ever had fresh foie gras? I'm not
0: sure. Not I stuff have. you
1: get out of a tin, but, but when you when you pan fry it.
0: Yes, I have. Yeah, that's absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah, that's it's incredible. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's if anyone
1: wants to get actually, if any fan listeners want to give us and <laughs> meat. We, we, we would cuisine. not say no, would we? I, no, I In fact, lo- foie gras generally, I, that, I, I will take.
0: No, it's yeah, uh, but uh, but fr- and that stuff which is fried is yeah is and then and then oh. yeah put on like um, little pancakes, uh, sweet corn pancakes. are oh, just
1: and they love it. Those geese, they absolutely love it. They <laughs> they are. they love. They do. They either go. Oh, 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 they <laughs> can't get enough of it. Gobbling with a myth pleasure. Myth about are. by vegans that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I think we're going to call oh, it a day, James. I hope uh, I hope you have a, a very happy Christmas. And, and um, you, Tobes. And, and to
1: all our listeners.
0: And to all our listeners, indeed, yes. And we will be back with um, some uh, war stories, uh, including James's, if he manages to join his hunt on Boxing Day, his story about uh, galloping through the
1: slush. I'm going to try um, and get one in. I don't know whether it be Boxing Day, okay. but yeah, I will right. try. Anyway, so we'll just be for back, the listeners.
0: back on January the 2nd. And, yep, thank you to all our listeners who've stuck with us this year and um thank you to all our our sponsors our advertisers thank you to our producer mm. brian um and uh, yeah um we'll be back on january the 2nd
1: yeah thanks everybody for listening we do love you you're great um especially the ones who, who are team james i mean i'm not so convinced by the ones who are team toby but there it is
0: i'm, I'm, I'm more generous hearted than you and my good wishes go to members of team james as well as team toby <laughs>
1: I didn't say I didn't give them my good wishes. I just said, just said they were slightly less discerning, let's say. OK. <laughs> All right, All James. Right. OK, happy All Christmas. Right. All right, Bye. Bye. This is London Calling. Ricochet. Join the conversation.